Welcome to Election Connection with me, your host, Ruth Newman. Today's show features the Democrat and Republican mayoral candidates, plus two independents also running for mayor. So I will let Shamika Parrish-Wright start things off. Welcome. My name is Shamika Parrish-Wright. Josh and Roberto have agreed to be our moderators. Because I just ran for mayor in the Democratic primary, I did not add any questions. These are all from the members. We're going to go ahead and get started with some intro statements. Since you already have the microphone, would you like to start out? My name is Martina Nichols Cunicky. I am running for mayor. I am a native of Louisville, Kentucky. For many years, I've been dealing with a variety of issues regarding community. Uh, I'm president of an organization which some of you may have heard of, Neighborhood Planning and Preservation. So we have dealt with neighborhoods all over Metro and in areas of governmental transparency, uh, liquor store license, all kinds of things. Preservation is what we're uh, mainly known for. But tonight's discussion is very important to me and close to my heart as a person with a background in mental health. I was on the board of directors of seven counties for about 10 years. I was chair of that board for the last two years of my term. So the issues that we'll be discussing tonight, on one hand, it's very sad to me that we have not made the progress that I would have hoped to have seen. You know, that was in the 20th century was when I was on that board. Here we are in the 21st century, well into the 21st century, and many of the issues we'll be discussing tonight, in my view, are worse than they were then. Not only because of our failure to commit as a society to resolve those issues, but uh, as you all know, we have encountered more pressing issues that have exacerbated those problems. So looking forward to the discussion tonight. My name is Craig Greenberg, and I'm excited to be with all of you here this evening. Thank you all for taking time out of your busy personal, professional lives to spend time with us and to participate in the democratic process. That is absolutely key to our future as a city and as a country. I think I'm here probably because of the same reason a lot of you all are here. I'm frustrated with where we are as a city as I look at the significant challenges across our entire city. But I'm running for mayor because when I see big challenges, I see even bigger opportunities. And I want to work with every one of you here tonight want to stay in regular communication, as we just mentioned, Shamika, with you all and people across the entire city to move Louisville in a new direction. And we are talking about some of the most important issues tonight, issues that impact making Louisville a safer city, a stronger city, and a healthier city, all of which are intertwined, all of which impact each other. We have to do much more to improve our affordable housing in the city. We need to address our homeless crisis. I want to make working with you all universal pre-K a reality so that every three and four year old child has the same opportunity to succeed across the entire city. And I believe that we can do it. We can accomplish great things when we work together, when we address the challenges head on, when we invest in people, neighbors, and neighborhoods that have been overlooked for our entire lifetime. I know we can do it. I am Manetta. Crittenden Limcateer, and I am running to be your mayor on an independent ticket. I have been in Louisville all of my life, and people say it's Louisville, it's Louisville. My mom made us pronounce it that way. 
So being here, I have seen this city go through major challenges, major changes, and my heart right now is literally broken because we expected so much when we were in our younger years and then to see where it is now, it makes me cringe. We have to get a better grip on our community. We have to get a better grip on things that we have going on. The affordable housing, the, the welfare system, the unemployment system. Nobody's talking about these things. We have uh, MDC, which is uh, Metro Disability Coalition. I serve on that board. And they have issues and challenges that are just ridiculous. So I want to work with uh, the people of Louisville, I want to work with business owners and anyone else that I can to help make our city the best city in the world. I'm Bill Deere. This is a very key time in this community. Whether we talk about safety, which is a key thing no matter where you are in this community, in some parts of the community, it's at a point where we have to be together, united, to get rid of the cartel and the gang leaders. Get them out of our town so our kids have a chance. But there's the other side that we're here to talk about. It's seven years ago we started the ANGEL program, and that's not the only program, but before we started the ANGEL program, we started HERT, Heroin Emergency Response Team. And what we did is we put everybody around a round table and everybody had a voice. And I told all the different people that were trying to heal people that there's not a competition. There's unfortunately so many people out there that need help that everybody has all their beds full. So when we start looking at what the next mayor needs to do, it needs to be a coalition, whether it's The Voice, or whether it's Hope, or whether it's Reach in J-Town, or whether it's VOA, any program, we should all be working together to solve this problem. We should be all working together because this community needs every one of us, and every one of us brings a specialty to help that person. Because as you know, addiction is not something that goes away just through detox. Addiction stays with you the rest of their life, and we have to stay with those people the rest of their life to make sure they have a chance for the future. Right now, I am the mayor of J-Town, and we will help those that need help right now. We won't wait. So starting with you, Mr. Deeriff, Louisville Metro in 2019 commissioned a housing assessment that found that the city needs more than 30,000 housing units for its lowest income residents. How would your administration ensure that there's not just new affordable housing, uh, but that housing that's affordable for folks in the lowest income brackets or folks living below the poverty line? This is Bill Deeriff. So it's fantastic the announcement the other night of about $40 million to do attainable housing for those people, uh, whether they, the one building they're refurbishing and making affordable housing in that, and another they're doing for our seniors and the others that are helping our men and women that have not had the chance to have a house. But we need to look at the as a temporary, not a permanent. We have to have home ownership so that they come from the apartments and move into home ownership. So we have to look into rent to own to where your rent helps you get the down payment to where you can get the house in the future. We have to take part of the money that we have on the ARP. I always said we should take $100 million and take part of that and build houses so that people can afford to live in the house and get generational wealth. But the second part of that is once you have the person in the house, we have to make it to where they can stay in the house for the future. And many times people don't think about that. But what happens if the person is having a hard time making the payments, they're getting government assistance, and the water heater goes out? 
That's a $2,000 dig that you got these pay here loans that are taking advantage of our people and they'll lose their house. We have to include a warranty so that the people that get the affordable housing don't get the bump in the road where they lose the house in the future because of the sharks out there. Next is Manetta Lemketeer. I have worked with our housing as far as property management. I've worked as a community liaison. I've worked as a compliance officer. I've worked as a leasing manager, property manager. And I can tell you this, the system appears to be a good system, but it's not. What happens is when people max out in their income, they are faced with higher rents. Most of the time they cannot afford the higher rents that come into play. We have to establish programs for people because when we go in to inspect a unit and the unit is unlivable because no one has taken the time to help someone learn how to clean. I had a client and I asked her to make me some dishwater. She put it in a boat. And I didn't hear the clinking of the dishes for her to be agitating the water to wash it. And so when I go back in to check on her, I said, I thought Miss Manetta asked you to make some dishwater. She said, I did. I said, well, where is it? And she points to the bowl. We have to have programs established in the affordable housing to help people sustain themselves. So I just wanted to repeat the questions real quick. In 2019, Louisville Metro uh, commissioned a housing assessment that found that the city needs more than 30,000 housing units for its lowest income residents. So the question to the candidates is, how would their administration ensure that there's not just new affordable housing built, but that housing that is affordable for folks in the lowest income brackets and folks living below the poverty line? And we'll go to you, Mr. Greenberg. That is Craig Greenberg. Thank you. This is a critical issue. On the day I announced I was running for mayor, I announced that during my first term, we would build or renovate 15,000 new units towards that 30,000 units because this is critical, that people have a safe foundation. And so I commend the city on its investment that they've announced this week, but we must do more. That is just one positive first step. We must address those at the 30% and lower average median income, fit below 50%, below 80%, below 100%, we must address all of those issues. But in addition to just being affordable, we also need to make sure it's quality. And so whether homes are being rented to people in low in lower income brackets from negligent out-of-state landlords, or whether that's the city ourselves that owns these housing units, they must be maintained to high qualities. And as mayor, I will work with you all and others to ensure that Metro Housing Authority's units are up to those standards that we all expect. And when there are negligent out-of-state landlords, we will use our code enforcement to ensure that they too have high standards of housing. And then beyond that, we, could, we also must work on home ownership. We must address the issue of too many vacant and abandoned lots and try to create generational wealth for families so that they can own their own homes. All of these things are part of a comprehensive solution to end our affordable housing crisis. Next is Martina nichols Kunicky. It's amazing that we keep saying the same things over and over again, decade after decade. So some of us have gotten to the point when we hear, oh, there's big investment, you know, we're going to find a place to put the homeless, we're going to put them in some barrack-style housing and problem solve. That is very discouraging to hear. Under my administration, we're going to go to ground zero. We're going to do an assessment of where the monies have gone in the past, because it's not as if there's been a shortage of money spent. 
It is how the money has been spent and the gatekeepers who have been spending the money. So we'll be looking at that. We'll be looking at accountability, so programs that do not work, especially city programs, are going to have a tough road to hoe under a Carnegie administration. You know, I'm always intrigued when we quote these studies. There's so many studies on the shelf in Louisville, Kentucky. So one of the things my administration is going to do, unlike the current one, is take those studies off the shelf, look at the recommendations. There is nothing new under the sun, folks. <laughs> It comes down to leadership. It is time for the city to lead and stop letting the private sector dictate what we're going to do with property in this town. Thank you. Twelve people have died while in the custody of Louisville's downtown jail within the past year. A number of those people who have died have been homeless. One was arrested for the last time while panhandling. Another was arrested for the last time while refusing to leave a restaurant. How would you work to keep homeless individuals out of jail? Uh, we'll start with you, Lemketeer. That is Manetta Lemketeer. When we think about people being homeless, I don't even like that word. They are unsheltered. A lot of them have homes, but maybe things going on in their home don't allow them to be at home. Maybe it's their choice because they feel like that's all they have. We have to get back to letting people understand who they are. We have an identity crisis right now. They feel worthless. They don't feel like that anybody cares. They don't feel like that there's any hope. We have to restore and rebuild hope for all people, but especially those who are unsheltered, who are in places that are, are dark and grim and they don't understand maybe even how they got there. So we have to build relationships. We have to um, go into places that most of us don't want to go. I'll go under a bridge. I'll sit with somebody at midnight. I'll take somebody by the hand, and I have done that, and I still do that. It's called evangelism, and that's what I do. And I think that once we understand that it's a people thing and not somebody else's for them to resolve it, it's a, it's a matter that when we come together as one, we will rectify the situation. Next is Craig Greenberg. One of the many things that's not right in the city today is when you look at our overcrowded jail, over half the individuals in jail today are there on charges with bail of less than $1,000, yet over half of our murders in this community are not even solved. Something is not right there. We have to do a better job of that. And when you're addressing it, I want to, um, first I meant to, early in my opening remarks, Shamika, thank you and Vocal for Kentucky for putting this on and what your organization is doing for this community is critically important. One of the things is directly related to this question. In your 2022 roadmap that you all recently released, there is a proposal that you have in there that I enthusiastically endorse. And that is when individuals who are homeless are leaving a jail or leaving a hospital, that we work to ensure that they are provided with their government IDs and that they have those, that they are enrolled in government programs like Medicaid so they can access government services, and that they have a treatment plan so that they can continue getting the treatment, whether it's medical services or mental health treatment that they need. As a city, this is the least that we can do 
to help those who need the most of our help. Next is Martina nichols Kennecke. Under my administration, we're going to adopt a fundamental principle that everyone has a right to housing, everyone. And all people are human beings, so no matter what they've done, they deserve to be treated with dignity and with an emphasis on care as opposed to abuse, as opposed to incarceration. I actually used to take research teams into that jail, and it is shocking the way things are run there. So under my administration, first of all, we're going to look at why some of these people are there to begin with because there's so many people that, and I can say that with certainty because I've seen it, that should not be in there. And then secondly, we'll look at how to reintroduce people into community where they feel like they are part of the community as opposed to waiting for the next entitlement. Because as we know, in this area and other areas, these are multi-million dollar industries. So there are programs, there are slogans, there are organizations that are coasting all the way to the bank, and meanwhile, we have people that get help for five minutes and then to go back to life that's just the same, that's going to set them up to return. Next is Bill Deeruff. very first thing we need to do is stop putting people in jail that have a drug addiction or behavioral problems. That'll free up and, and put the people in jail that are the hardened criminals and get them off the streets. But help the people that have a drug and behavioral problem before they go into jail. We have enough nonprofits that are here to help them. We need to organize them to make sure these people get the help. We know how to reach out. In fact, we literally have REACH program. But each one of you nonprofits understand when a person is drug addicted and they have to get Narcan so many times, we should be reaching out to that person and see how we can give them help. If that person is under a viaduct and they're addicted and they're having drugs, we should be reaching out to them to give them help. If that person is having behavioral problems, we should have social workers or have a group where we find housing for them, we have jobs for them, we have food for them. That should be done before they even get to jail. We should eliminate that process. But then once they are arrested, because if you commit a crime, you're arrested. If it's a 48-hour time frame and they're just going through a little bit of detox, we have to have a system of the nonprofits that will take those people and take them through the whole system of detoxing and healing and keeping with them during the whole time. So the process isn't just we're going to not put the people in jail, it's also helping those that are in jail become better and get healed. And we want to stick on this uh, on this topic of the jail for one more question. I think as some of the, the candidates alluded to, uh, the jail is overcrowded, it's understaffed. I think Josh and I both uh, recently toured the facility, um, and you see folks sleeping on sort of makeshift, these plastic cots on the floor, um, because they don't have enough bed space within some of these dorm units. A recent report from a consultant who was hired by the city uh, recently said that there was a disturbing tolerance of misconduct among staff, uh, which is another issue. What steps would you take to improve conditions at Metro Corrections? Next is Craig Greenberg. That's critically important. As you mentioned, this is definitely a crisis. Last year, my campaign working with other medical health professionals, mental health professionals, law enforcement, clergies, concerned citizens, we convened a community corrections crisis summit because a year ago, we saw this issue forthcoming. It was already an issue. And it's now even worse today with 12 deaths in the way too, too recently in, in our jail. 
So what we, know, what we need to do about it is we need to improve the programs that are there for those who are incarcerated with skills treatment, addiction treatment, better mental health treatment. We need to ensure that drugs aren't coming into the jail. We need to do everything possible for those who are incarcerated to end this cycle so that they don't continue to see the same familiar faces. But also we need the help of our judicial system. I know there are many judicial candidates here tonight. We need your help and the others so that again, our approach to public safety is focused on violent crime, reducing the amount of violent crime, ending senseless gun violence, and putting our resources into that. That should be our focus. I think that will significantly help it. But when people are incarcerated, we need to connect them to people and services that can provide them with help, both while they're incarcerated and when they are released. Next is Martina Nichols Kuniki. The first thing we would look at is who is working at the jail, what their background entails, and we'd have to do some uh, analysis in terms of fitness for service in that capacity. Not everyone is fit for that type of service. And looking at staffing patterns, looking at hours that they have to work, they're understaffed, and so are folks working overtime or they put in situations where their mental health is uh, at risk. And then to start in Louisville, Kentucky, a shift to an attitude where we view each other with respect, that's totally gone. So there's certain populations, if you're in jail, if you're taking the bus, if you're doing a variety of things that we do not associate with being affluent or successful or whatever, there is a tendency to look down upon one another. So that is going to be a key issue, not only with the jail, but in other uh, categories under a Kuniki administration. We've got to start respecting one another. And we have to stop jailing people for, I agree with that, I'm glad you mentioned that, for drugs, because that's just not successful, and that's not where we need to be. Next is Bill Deeruff. So as we said, we got to stop putting people that have uh, addiction problem because we're all possibly one surgery away from being addicted. Uh, it doesn't make us a criminal. And just because we have a behavioral problem coming out of the pandemic, all of us have pressure on us. Uh, and many of us who have a behavioral problem, it's ramped up. So we need to help those people, not throw them in jail. The people that are working as correction officers, as you said, they're working double shifts, they're working sick because there's a shortage. They're working 16 hours plus overtime, and it's, it, it's set for a problem. But also our jail is set to where it's not set up for a proper jail. The, the way jails are set up in the past, it was a corridor. But the way the new ones are, is set up in a circle. So you can, you can see what's happening in it's all the rooms. So we need to look at both the building, the people, and then we need to look at how do we help the people that are in there so they don't come back and return, so we don't have the overcrowding in the future. Next is Manetta Lemketeer. I believe better training is necessary. I have a godson who went in while we were in the protest, and he came out and he just looked so, like, lost. And when I took him off to the side and I start talking to him, I asked him what happened in there. He said, I had to use the same towel for 30 days. I wasn't given any toilet paper. They wouldn't let me have soap. How do you explain 
how to treat someone in that magnitude. I understand you are in there for the crime that you have committed, but that does not take away your human rights. So better training and then following the employees who allow these illegal things to come into the system. They are a great portion of them responsible because they turn their heads because they get maybe a portion of it or they get some kind of benefit from it. It's not just because they're buddies and all of this. They are reaping some benefits in turning the head. We have to do better in how we hire, do deeper uh, investigations on backgrounds, and make sure that those individuals don't get in. This question is going to be somewhat related to some of the issues we just talked about with the jail. Uh, last year, the United States saw drug overdose deaths hit a record high. Kentucky saw more than 2,000 such deaths. Louisville had over 500. What is your plan to reduce those overdose deaths, and does your plan include harm reduction measures for people currently using drugs, like syringe exchanges or overdose prevention centers? Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. Well, absolutely. We need to mitigate a crisis that's underway. And so absolutely those sort of uh, care programs are essential. But I think we need to step back a little and wonder why there is such a feeling of despair and hopelessness in a community that not only will people turn to substance use, but will go so far as to imbibe so much that they end up dead. And when you live in a community where people are coming out of school poorly educated, when you live in a community where people are unable to afford the so-called affordable homes, when you live in a community where there is not consequences to some of the things that happen in the jail, some of the things that happen uh, among LMPD, that creates a sense of hopelessness that is a big contributory factor towards turning to drugs. And so it's not as simple as setting up rules and we have systemic problems in this community that we have got to face. We cannot continue going on thinking just throwing money, coming up with intervention programs that will be successful for the moment are going to be enough because it's simply not enough. Next is Bill Deeruff. You know that the, the uh, thing is I'm a sitting mayor and we, we work with the homeless, we work with the addicted, we work with the behavioral people on the streets and in the houses all the time. Seven years ago, as I started, said, we started the ANGEL program. And we started the ANGEL program because we brought everybody together and said, what is the best way to move forward? It wasn't the only way because VOA was there, Healing Place was there, everybody was at the table. And we said, I want to hear how we can help you. And, it, and everybody is helping somebody. We have people all around helping. But as we look to how we're going to do the future, syringe exchange, from what I've talked to other mayors, was a great idea at first. And the problem is when they first started doing it, they put it in one place and not everybody could get to that place. What we found out is we have to go out to them to be able to exchange the needles, to have it ready for them. So that's why we have REACH. We have to be able to have places where the people can come, whether it's local or get out of the situation they're in to move them out of the town. So whether it's J-Town helping, whether it's Hope helping, 
or any uh, anybody else in this community. It has to be organized where we're all under the same coalition working together to help the people that need help. So as I said, we're doing that now, we're not waiting, and we'll move in the future with all of us in one direction as a community. Next is Mineta Lemketeer. Unity in the community is the only way to get things done. I was raised in a household where we believe in prayer. We have let prayer get out of our homes, out of our schools, out of our uh, courthouses, out of our lives. We have to start trusting in who created us. He created us and trusted us with this earth, with the things on the earth, and we are going about things like they belong to us. Take another breath without his help and see what happens. We won't have one. We have to be able to establish a, a rooted system where we will be able to challenge the individual. They have to, first of all, want the help. You can't force anybody into a program. You, they make their choices. This is what's wrong with our society now. People, they want to control things. You cannot, God gave free will and in free will, you have a place of good fruit and bad fruit. Consequences good, consequences bad. Yeah. But whatever they are, if someone is ready to come out of that lifestyle, then we need to be there prepared and ready to assist them. Next is Craig Greenberg. Some of the things I think that we need to do better as a community to address um, individuals who are addicted First, we as a community have a once in a lifetime with all of these federal funds that are coming into our city to invest more in addiction treatment programs and the organizations that provide addiction treatment across the city. There are many great art organizations, large and small, in various parts of the community that are doing that and we need to support them. We need to expand the program that currently is just a pilot program with the city right now. Some call it a deflection or a diversion program. When there's a 911 call that might not be a violent crisis, but someone struggling with an addiction issue or a mental health issue, where other trained professionals go out on that run and it's not just LMPD responding it to provide better services to that. We need to ensure that more people have Narcon training because we can only help people attack addiction and overcome addiction if they're still alive. And so more people need to be trained in the use of Narcan. And for individuals who are being released from uh, jail or getting out of a hospital, respite centers so that they have a place to go where they can continue to recover, hopefully address their addiction issues and not simply be rearrested. Uh, re but we also do need to do more. We need to address the underlying cause of, of issues that are causing people to end up in a life of addiction at a time now, but whether it's mental health, uh, providing more for mental health services, universal pre-K and education, uh, addressing the domestic violence crisis or the root causes of poverty, those are all things that we need to work on. Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. We need a cultural shift in how we view addiction. But we sorry, need Canada, to... did you already respond to this question? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, let me just say this one thing. The thing that our society needs to face is that addiction is a physiological state. It is biologic. And that to think that we're going through just rotating people through programs going to solve the problem over and over again, it's just not going to happen. It takes two years at minimum to change the brain 
back to a place where you don't need those substances. So the pandemic really showed us, I think, just how many people in our community are struggling with mental health uh, and mental health issues, struggling to get access to mental health care. What would you do as mayor to increase uh, that access and the ability for folks in the community to get mental health care, including residents who are unsheltered? Next is Bill Deeruff. Well, one thing is we in J-Town, as mayor, we, we have the REACH program where we actually reach out to the people. You know, the homeless is not just one person. You have the person that's addicted, you have the person that may be the vet, you have the person that lost their house. So when we start talking about what you were looking at is how do we, how do we deal with it? The vet that has come back to our community after they fought for our freedom and is on the streets and homeless, we have USA Cares that goes out, it's a military group that goes out and helps the, the vet through the behavior problem, get a house and get a job. When we, when we talk about a, a person that is coming through schools, we have just gone through the pandemic, as you mentioned, and we have juniors and seniors that never went through the social aspects of being in school. So we have to have the help out there to help them through the next generation of becoming part of the community. We have to get them to where they have the job skills to where they can be a part of the community and make the income in order to afford the houses to be a productive citizen and not fall to prey. We have to be able to have a system in place where the nonprofits are there for those that need help. And I'll let you know, my grandmother started Recovery Incorporated in Kentucky. It is a nonprofit organization for those people that have had these problems. And we started that many years ago, and our family understands. Next is Manetta Lemketeer. Mental health varies in so many different domains. You have so many areas that we need to uh, assess and look at. We need additional therapists. We need additional people that will just be there as volunteers to be with the people when they don't have anyone to talk to. The, the mental health place is scary. We have to be able to know that an individual, what they have, and then how to address it. When you go through mental health issues, you go through sometimes a silent plate. There's nothing like suffering in silence. And we need to stop hiding and shielding and putting things on the back burner and deal with it directly. People are hurting. People need us. People need other things besides the medication. You, you go in with one and, and put a Band-Aid on it, then you put another Band-Aid on it, another, and it never heals. So we have to get to a place where people are healing and functioning in a place where they can be a part of our society. Next is Craig Greenberg. To follow up on that, I, I totally agree. Right now, too many people in Louisville are suffering from trauma whether it's trauma as a result of the senseless gun violence that's plaguing our city, whether it's the result of living in a home with domestic violence, or whether it's just from the stress of day-to-day -day life that many people are dealing with, we must do a better job. And we have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity with some of the federal funds that are being invested in our community. This must be a priority. We must also, as was just said about um, addiction, we must remove the stigma associated with mental health issues in this community. It's no different from a broken arm or cancer. It is something biological that we have to treat. And so one, one thing that we need to do 
is we need to invest in programs so we have men more mental health professionals throughout our entire community. Ensure that UofL, Simmons College, Bellarmine, other schools around the city are training more mental health professionals so that when you live in communities like the nine neighborhoods of the West End, you have access to mental health care professionals in your neighborhood and don't have to travel far and wide that oftentimes inhibit your ability to get the treatment that you need. And as I mentioned earlier, we need to expand the diversion program so that when a 911 call comes in and it is a mental health crisis and not a violent crime, other professionals are able to respond to that call. Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. I think as a community, we need to do a better job of triaging in this area and then also in terms of case management. So what I hear a lot is that folks reach out for care and then they're bounced from place to place to place because with all these millions that are thrown out there, there are these groups that rush for their part of the pie and then there are these big gaps between the groups. And then there's always some way that these groups can say, uh-oh, you don't qualify because of this or that, or you didn't behave in a certain way, so now you've got to go. It is to our advantage as a culture to have healthy people who can get help when they want it and actually have a genuine change in their life, as opposed to putting them in a circle going around and around doing the same thing over and over again and getting nowhere. We as a society get nowhere that way. So a better triage system and accountability once again for these groups that are getting the money to provide these programs. Okay, we're moving on to our lightning round of questions. Um, so these are quick, some are yes or no, some are just saying a few words. It's 10 seconds. Will you commit to visiting a homeless encampment to see firsthand how struggling Louisvillians are living? if elected mayor. Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. Well, I've done that already on numerous occasions. And I have to say that, oh, it's a quick answer. We've got to get away from putting people in tents or putting people, that's not humane. It's not humane. Next is Craig Greenberg. I have visited and I will do that if and when elected mayor. Next is Bill Deeruff. I, I have done that, and I will continue to do that until the situation of everybody is off the streets and has a place to live. Yeah, we'll stay here with Mayor Deere. The next sort of quick question is, what are two neighborhoods that you think need more affordable housing? Louisville Metro needs affordable housing all the way across its whole community. Now, the West End and Newburgh need ownership housing for the people that are in the neighborhoods, so where they can get generational wealth and have the neighborhoods where we take the dilapidated structures and get them to where the people have a place that they call home and are proud of it. Next is Craig Greenberg. I've said since day one that we need affordable housing across the entire city near high quality, good paying jobs, near improved public transportation routes in every one of the 26 Metro Council districts. Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. We need to get serious about what is affordable housing. Nothing is affordable in Louisville, Kentucky for most of the people that live and work here. There have been discussions among city officials recently about potentially building a new jail. Do you support using taxpayer dollars to construct a new facility? Next is Craig Greenberg. I don't think that should be a priority of Metro government right now. We have a lot of other more pressing issues to deal with right now. Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. Absolutely not, and this is coming from someone that has been fighting horrible development ideas from the development community for over 10 years. The last thing we need 
is to build a jail. We need to improve how our police are functioning before we give them a new building. Next is Mineta Lemketeer. I don't believe we need a new jail. I do believe we need to be more aggressive with our police department because I watched them during the protests do some makeshift crazy stuff and never got accounted for it. The accountability that they have right now is ridiculous. And we need to be able to have better policing. Next is Bill Deeruff. It may not be a matter of a new jail, but we need to reformulate what the jail looks like because right now it's unsafe, it's unkept, and it's not humane the way we're having people go into jail and sit there all the time. So we have to go in and we may have to reset it, but not necessarily have to rebuild it to where it's both safe for the people that are protecting the people in there to where they can see when somebody needs help and also so where we can help the people that are in there. Recently, Louisville has piloted a non-police 911 response program, um, having folks who work in social services respond uh, to some calls instead of just police officers, particularly around behavioral health emergencies and mental health crises. Would you keep and expand such a program if you're elected? Next is Mineta Lemketeer. I would. I believe that people in mental health have had the proper training to know how to deal with the situations, but I believe that a police officer should always be on hand because we never know what kind of situation can erupt. Next is Craig Greenberg. Absolutely, I would expand it. I've mentioned it twice today already. It's been very successful in other cities like Eugene, Oregon, Denver, Colorado, and we can and must expand the program across all of Louisville. Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. Everything old becomes new again. The crisis center that used to be a part of the Seven County Services used to do that. So I would like to see it uh, continue, but make sure that it's meeting up to its reviews. Next is Bill Deeruff. I'm going to go a little different approach because I had a meeting with our social workers yesterday and they asked me not to do that because now on a situation where you know that the person just needs help, that's different. But when you have a domestic violence, two days after they announced that we had two domestic violent calls that if you sent a social worker in, there were shots fired. So, and they request, they had a homeless drug person that they, they wanted a police officer because they were working with the police officer, all of a sudden it went, it went the wrong direction. So they needed somebody to be there to help them stay safe. So there has to be both people working the situation. All right, we're gonna move on to audience questions. You'll have a minute and a half to respond to these uh, questions. Uh, the first question is, how do you intend to improve transportation here in Louisville? Next is Mineta Lemketeer. For the current people that have TART 3, the paratransit system sucks. I'm sorry. They leave people behind. They uh, make them late for their jobs. They don't pick them up. They make them late for doctor's appointment. They drive crazy. And I know from a personal experience from several people who have gone through really rugged times with them. Next is Craig Greenberg. I agree, TARC 3 must be uh, improved. As you mentioned, you're part of the Metro Disability Coalition. I met with them a couple of weeks ago and the stories that you hear about the 
challenges that those who are disabled in our community are facing right now is unacceptable. We can and must do better. We also must improve TARC. We must ensure that public transportation serves those who need it most right now with routes that are um, accessible, that are frequent, and that get from people where they live to good paying career path jobs, to medical facilities, to grocery stores with routes that work for them. And we need to aspire to more so that it's not just those who have to rely on public transportation, but all of us should want to take public transportation because that is the best route. And as all of, these, all of this money is coming into the city under the infrastructure bill, and as we invest in neighborhoods and infrastructure, we need to ensure that we are keeping public transportation in mind as we invest these monies in our community. Next is Martina Nichols Kuniki. You can tell who rides the bus up here. <laughs> we need to really improve TARC. It is disgraceful for a city that claims it's such a progressive city to have a TARC like we have it. We need to make it safer for our TARC drivers. We need to treat our TARC drivers with respect. We need to hold TARC drivers who are not accountable for their behaviors because there are some that are kind of off the chain. If you've ever caught a bus or called for a bus, where the bus will go is ridiculous. And so I shudder to think with some folks who have uh, kids or disabilities, how far they have to run to a bus stop or to be there. We need more buses on the routes. We probably need better management at TARC. That will be a definite priority for me, a committed TARC user. We need to destigmatize TARC. It should not be looked upon as something that just the poor people take. Public transportation is the lifeblood of a community, and you can tell how paralyzed our community is by the way TARC is treated, by the way TARC is made available to this community. It's a disgrace where we are. After all the studies that have been done. Next is Bill Deeruff. So I, I agree, TARC 3 is, needs a total overhaul, both equipment and the way they handle how they pick up people is dis despicable and disgraceful. So it needs to totally be looked at. It needs to get away from bidding it out on a private contract. It needs to come back to give it to people that are on, in our community that care. TARC has gone from 13 million riders down to 2.5 million riders. Mm -hmm. That is something to tell you right off, we have a problem. That means that people aren't riding it because it's not run properly. I am on KIPTA's board, Kentucky Tra Indiana Transportation, and we already have enough studies telling us what to do on transportation. It's time we take them off the shelf and actually do them. Looking at transportation, public transit, being on their board, what I started is a van program. Ticket to Ride is the old name of it, where it usually started where you were from here and you could go to Georgetown. Now you can, if you're in, say, the Portland neighborhood, you get 10 people, you get a, a van and all you have to pay for is gas and insurance and you can go to other parts of our community or across the bridge and have a van to be of transport. You don't have to wait for a bus. So we have to rethink what we're doing and keep reimagining what it would be like for everybody to get transportation around this community without any disrespect for anybody. I agree with you. Uh, an audience member asked, what are we going to do about the police and how are we going to move past the Breonna Taylor situation? Bill Deeruff. The policing is a matter of hiring and training the right police officers and make sure the community gets to know their police officers to where they know Mary and Joe and the police officer get to know you so that we get back to community policing where everybody gets to know everybody. 
I, I was part of the Kentucky Law Enforcement Council that actually I was the one that took away the certification of the explorers of the LMPD. Took it away. We didn't do a study for 10 months to get rid of them. We eliminated it in 10 seconds. So we have to eliminate those officers that shouldn't be there, but we also have to work with the officers that are there to help us. As I've traveled around this whole community, all of us want to be safe, but we want to be part of the solution and we want to help the solution. So that now not only are we going to have to have enough officers to where you get to know them, we're going to have to have you involved with the officers to help them solve the problem in the future. Next is Manetta Lemketeer. A lot of people say that we need to defund. I believe that the funds that they get should be overseen, that we should be able to appropriate where the dollars go. Training is the most crucial part of being a police officer. If you don't like people, you should not be policing. Policing is making the bad guy go to a place where he should be until an appointed time and he's before a judge. They decide in the court what happens, but we're looking at them being the executioner, judge, and jury. No, we need better training and we need it now. Next is Craig Greenberg. I believe we should aspire to have the best police department in America for all of us in Louisville. And what that means to me, and I've heard from many others on the campaign, is that it needs to be the best trained, the most trusted, and the most transparent police department in America. First training, you just heard about the need to improve trainings that were focused on community policing and working with neighborhood leaders, members of the clergy, medical professionals, small business owners, formerly incarcerated individuals, anyone who wants to be a part of the solution to make Louisville a safer city and reduce the amount of violent crime and gun violence. Second, it must be more transparent. That involves releasing body cam footage when there are incidents that happen quicker. That means responding to open records requests on time in compliance with state law, which does not appear to be happening right now, and just being transparent about the facts. And when things happen that we wish didn't, being honest about that and talking about how we're going to do things differently. And in turn, I believe when you do those things well, that the trust will then come. But we, the community, the entire community, must have more trust in our police so that we can all work together better to unify our city and make our city safer. But we also must do more than just rely on policing to make our city safer. We must crack down on illegal guns. We have far too much gun violence in this community, and as mayor, that will be my number one priority. Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. It's going to be hard to get past that situation until we really look at this community and how the police have evolved in this community. And it's happened all over the country, but our job is to say what's happening here in Jefferson County. First thing I would like to do is to demilitarize the police. That is top on my priority list. I was in the Kroger in Portland the night that Shelby Gaz uh, Gazaway was gunned down. That was a sobering experience for me to have the police point a gun at me, make me leave my purse, my keys and everything at that Kroger at nine o'clock at night to walk home. We need to weed out the people that do not need to be on the force. We need to require them to live in Louisville, Kentucky and not be poised to be an occupying force to come descending upon us 
when every little thing happens. We need for the police to become peace officers again. We need for them to be at the traffic light when people run through the traffic light and mow over someone. We need a police department that is not poised to tell us what they're not going to do. So, under the Cunningham administration, we're going to uh, appoint our own commission to look at police issues and start all over again. Kenneth Greenberg, we'll start with you for the next question. Um, there's another question from the audience. It says, we continue to put most houseless people in the West End when they get housing. How are you going to help spread that community out into all of Louisville when they receive housing? I, I think that's a very fair point. Um, this, the announcement that was just made earlier this week about the, um, the $32 million investment in this area, uh, one of the things I think was positive was that there were units of housing in different neighborhoods across the city. I think that's critical. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I believe that affordable housing, regardless of what income level uh, on the affordable scale you're, you're um, addressing, whether it's those who are uh, homeless or those who have some income but are less than uh, 50 or 80 or 30 percent of the uh, AMI, that that be across the entire city. It needs to be near good medical facilities, near good paying career path jobs. It needs to be near public transportation. And so we should not be um, moving all people who are experiencing homelessness uh, into one part of the, the city. And we need to ensure that that housing is also combined with the services that they need. Um, whether it's mental health services, whether it's addiction treatment services, those need to be accessible. These individuals need to have access through government programs like Medicaid. They need to have government IDs. And that way, we can truly give folks an opportunity to have a new path in life. Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. We need a city government that's going to take leadership in this homelessness issue and stop letting the development community decide what property is going to be used for that purpose, what they're going to build in response to this crisis. That is why so many folks now are paying 30, 40, 50 percent of their salary for a place to live. You know, if we keep letting private, the private sector drive how we use this property, the prices will go up and up and up, and soon all of us, we will be renters. We'll be living in this barrack-style housing that has been the hallmark of this administration. And if we really want homeownership, we've got to look at the whole system and enable people even folks that are not making 100000 or more a year to be able to afford a place they can call their own without having to share walls with other people because a developer has decided density is the big thing for that developer. That's how they're going to make the profit that they want to make, and it doesn't matter about the quality of life. So it's a complicated issue, but it must start with the government that makes affordable housing, humane housing, it's a human right. It's not a luxury. You each have one minute for your closing statements. Let them know whatever you want them to leave here uh, thinking about you as a candidate. Next is Martina nichols Kuniki. Well, first of all, I want to thank you all for asking the independents to be part of this debate tonight. Because we don't always get asked. We're at a crossroads. I think that we're at a point where we can either go in the same direction and keep spiraling down, or we can look for leadership that is going to take ownership of some of these issues and actually change the direction in this community. I believe it is time to have 
leadership that comes from the community, leadership that is going to question how we have done things in the last 20 years and figure out a way to go forward. I believe that a person that has worked in the community with real people is going to make the best leadership going forward. Thank you. Next is Craig Greenberg. We've talked about a lot tonight. One thing I just wanted to add was the importance of addressing senseless gun violence in our community. And if we are going to truly move Louisville in a new direction, we need to address that issue with new creativity and energy as well. Two weeks ago, I announced a plan that right now under Kentucky law, when guns are confiscated by LMPD, which nearly 2,000 already this year have been, they're sent to Frankfurt and they're auctioned off, and far too often guns used to commit crimes end up back on the street. That is absurd and dangerous. Starting on the first day of my administration, that will change. We will comply with state law and return the guns to Frankfurt, but only after rendering them inoperative. We need to take that kind of creativity and new solutions, big solutions, small solutions, anything to reduce the amount of senseless gun violence to move Louisville in a new direction. Next is Manetta Lemketeer. To God be the glory. And I just say that with all enthusiasm because that is how I live my life. I know that we can do this, but we cannot do it without the help of the Lord. I promise you that if we just take our time and if we listen and if we trust and if we believe, we will have a city that is so amazing. People will be breaking down the walls trying to get into Kentucky. Hallelujah. I can say it all over again. I love people. I want to be the people person for you. I don't want to be one that is going to just be a yes and a no person. I want to walk it with you. I'm walking it now and I'll continue to walk it later. We already got the plan. The person who came up with it. You just stay put. Okay. We're coming for you. Hallelujah. Next is Bill Deeruff. Somebody is addicted, we go out and help them. And the rest of the community thinks, well, you help them one time and that's over. An addicted person falls seven to nine times and we need to be there to help them up each time to make sure we both have them to where they know they have a friend, they have a buddy, and they have a solution in the future. So I am, I am one that, uh, as I mentioned, my grandmother started Recovery Incorporated in Kentucky, but my grandfather started AA here. So we understand what it is to reach out and help those that need help. And we realize what, as a family, sometimes when somebody within your family needs help. A month ago, my godchild passed away from overdose. He was a firm believer of not using uh, prescription drugs because he didn't trust them, so he would self-medicate. He was sober for seven years, and then he got sick, and he self-medicated and passed away. So the pain that you go through when somebody passes away, God bless you people that are trying and every single day helping those that need help. Well, that's all we have time for. Remember to get your sample ballot and find out your polling place at GoVoteKY.com. Then to research candidates, go to Vote411.org and VoteSmart.org. These are both nonpartisan websites. This is Ruth Newmans, hoping to see you next week on Election Connection.